by Passion Church, the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 18, the 12th verse, he says, if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, what will he do? Well, I don't know what a man will do, but I know what Jesus would do. Won't he leave the 99 others on the hills and go out to search for the one that is lost? I don't know about you, but many times I feel like that lost one. Like I said earlier, sometimes for no reason. I mean, things can be going good. I got money in the bank account, bills paid. A full belly, not into it with nobody, <laughs> and just have a day where I just feel lost. I don't know what it is about sin, this ever-present pull towards the earth, the dust, <laughs> that pulls us downwards. And I feel so lost, but I am so thankful that Jesus will leave the 99 and come find me. Doesn't he do it for you? In Genesis chapter 16, I want to tell you a story about a, a young Egyptian servant girl named Hagar. <laughs> how, how would you like to be named Hagar? As a lady? I mean, she's starting out with a bad start, okay? Just the name alone. But Well, anyway, she ended up with Abram and Sarah, later to be known Abraham and Sarah, right? Uh and she was from Egypt, and she was one of their servants. So I'm, I'm supposing maybe that Pharaoh, when Abraham had went through Egypt, he pawned Hagar off on Abram and his family. So she became Sarai's mistress. Now, I kind of picture her as a teenage girl, maybe in her early 20s or something. I don't know about you, but if I was a, you know, I had been uprooted from my home, I'm no long, I'm, I no longer get to see my parents. I don't get to go roller skating on Saturday night. You know, I'm not getting my nails done with my friends on and having sleepovers. No, I'm a servant, a slave. And I'm taken out of my home and, and put in with these tent, tent dwellers. They're just roaming around in tents out in the wilderness. It just wasn't what I imagined. You know, you can think a young girl's got all these romantic ideas. One day I'm going to marry this prince and he's going to lead me off into the future. It's going to be wonderful. You, all these dreams and hopes seem to be dashed out here and living in a tent. The only good thing is these two people seem to be to have, to have this God that's a real loving God. You know, and they've told me about it. But on the other hand, they seem to be struggling with their faith just like everybody else. Because they said, Abram told me, I'm speaking as Hagar right now. <laughs> I don't know how I got there, but, but she must have been told that God had promised Abram to be the father of many nations, that he was going to have a multitude of descendants, as many as the stars in the sky. And here he is 
80-something years old, his wife, 70-something years old, barren, still no children. This has been many years. They're so, so I'm thinking, who is this God? And why are they still struggling with their faith? Why can't they bring it to pass? Well, therein lies the problem. They did, then they get the idea, let's bring it to pass. Sarah says, I got an idea, Abram, since God's taken so long. Why don't we? And see, there, therein lies the problem. We try to bring things to pass when God's the one that promised it. We try to take it by force, and God says, take it by faith. Well, anyway, Hagar gets caught up in the whole plot. Sarah says, you take my servant, Hagar, as your wife, and you can have a child through there, her, and then I'll claim it as my own. Boy, that sounds like a great plan for Hagar. She's got to sleep with this old guy. So much for my romantic dreams. Out here in the middle of nowhere, no family, no roller skating, no fingernail polish. Now I'm going to marry this old guy in his 80s. And sure enough, Abraham knew better than that. But you know us fellas. And she gets pregnant. Here she is carrying some old guy's baby. Walking around with those pregnancy hormones. And the Bible says she got a little uptity. You know, she started talking back to Sarah, her, her master. Started showing contempt towards her. Can you blame her? But sometimes... We add to our own problems, don't we? It, it isn't enough that the whole world seems to be coming against me. I make it worse with my mouth. And so she gets an attitude. And Sarai goes to Abram and says, This servant girl of yours is treating me with contempt. Let God judge between me and you. And Abram's like, She's your servant. You do with her what you wish. Now here this poor girl done been pawned off by Pharaoh in Egypt. Sarai got her. She pawned her off to Abram. Abram's pawning her back off to Sarai. Well, I tell you what, Sarai began to treat her harshly so bad that Hagar couldn't take it no more. I got to get out of here. She didn't have a map. She didn't have any provisions. She didn't even bring any water. She just took off running. She says, I got to be somewhere and it ain't here. You ever get to that point in your life? Things get so bad, say, man, I just got to go. I don't even care what's in front of me, but I know what's behind me. I got to go. And we run. And, she, and old Hagar ran. And we find her in Genesis 16, verse 7. It says, the angel of the Lord... And I believe this is Jesus pre-incarnate before he was born as a person on the earth. Many scholars, along with myself, believe that many times it speaks as the angel of the Lord. Many times we believe that's Jesus coming to the earth that he created and intervening, so to speak. It's called a theophany. Well, the angel of the Lord found Hagar. Say found. Didn't we just read a scripture that says he'll leave the 99 Go find the lost. 
The angel of the Lord found the little lost sheep beside a spring of water in the wilderness along the road to Shur. Then the angel said to her, Hagar. See, he calls her by name. Everybody else just called her servant girl. But he says, Hagar, Sarah's servant, where have you come from? And where are you going? What are y'all laughing about? Angie said, don't sing that song. <laughs> I didn't. Where have you come from? And where are you going? Two important questions. Maybe you ought to think about that. Maybe you ought to spend some time asking yourself. Maybe God's asking you today, where have you come from? And where are you going? And Hagar said, I'm running away. She didn't have any answers. All she knew was it got too hot where she was at, and she had to go. And so often, we don't understand God's plan in our life, and we run. So Jesus left the 99, and he met her out in the wilderness, called her by name, and he explained to her, Hagar, go back and be obedient to your mistress Sarah. In your belly is a great nation. See, God had a plan in all this pain. You know, all the pain that you've suffered in your life, it's not for naught. All the times you didn't understand why it happened like this, why I don't have my nail polish on, why I'm not roller skating like everybody else. Maybe it's because God has a bigger plan for this tiny existence that you have on the earth. Maybe something bigger than those roller skates. And maybe it's going to take some pain to get you through. Maybe you need that pain to grow you up and to give you the character to persevere. He told her, he said, you're going to have a son, and I want you to name him Ishmael. You know what the name Ishmael means? It means God hears. So when you're sitting by that brook, sitting by that well, you've run away and you cry out to the Lord, he hears. All those times, you thought nobody was listening. But God hears. He hears our cries. And in verse 13, it says, Therefore, Hagar used another name to refer to the Lord who had spoken to her. She says, You are the God who sees me. You know, for a long time, I, I didn't even know where I got it, but I guess that it, subconsciously I'd read this scripture so many times. But I just began to call my little pet name for the Lord is the, the Lord who sees me. He's just so actively involved in my life. And if you would stop and think he's actively involved in your life too. But maybe you're just missing all the clues. Maybe you're not tuned in to his frequency, but he's there. He's listening to you. He's watching over you. He is a great shepherd. He's leading us through a valley, that's for sure. 
But he's the God who sees. She, sa- she also says, have I truly seen the one who sees me? Now she's, she's starting to ask some good questions. Have you truly seen Jesus? Are you just operating on somebody else's faith here today? you just operating religiously. This is just what we do. We just come on Sunday, you know, and the praise team plays their three, and then we, we get a little message, and we go home and we talk bad about the pastor. I mean, we just do the same thing every Sunday. It's just routine. But I'm telling you, we need to see Jesus. We need to come to church looking for Jesus. We need to come like we're desperate, like we need for him to hear our cries. We need somebody's shoulder to cry on. We need some way to get rid of all this junk that's piled up from the world. We need to know somebody sees us. So that well where where they were at was named Bear Leroy, I guess, which means well of the living one who sees me. And it can still be found between Kadesh and Barrett. I remember another woman at the well in Scripture, one after Jesus actually was born and came in the flesh. (laughs) Another woman that Jesus came to rescue from her shame. And I believe that we all need to learn to go to the well. We all need to go to that secret place, that, that soul that's in us, that thing that you can't see with your physical eye. We need to go to that place and, and let Jesus meet us there. Because Jesus said in, to the woman at the well in John four fourteen, he says, But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. Wouldn't it be nice? Wouldn't it be nice to never grow thirsty again? But the water I shall give him shall be in him a well of water. A well of water. See, there's a well of water springing up into everlasting life for those who meet with the Lord at the well. Jacob, who dug this well? Your water is better than his? I know, Jacob. And everyone who drinks this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks the water that I give him will never be thirsty again. Wouldn't that be nice? The water I give will become in a person a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Really? Yes, really. Prove it. First, go and call your husband and come back. I will show you both. I don't have a husband. You are right. You've had five husbands. And the man you're living with now is not your husband. <laughs> oh, I see. You're a prophet. You're here to preach at me. Usually the one good thing about coming here alone is I can escape being condemned. I'm not here to condemn you. I've made mistakes. Too many. 
but it's men like you who have made it impossible for me to do anything about it. How? Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews insist Jerusalem is the only place for true worship. They say that because the temple is there. <gasps> exactly where we're not allowed. I'm here to break those barriers. And the time is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. So, where am I supposed to go when I need God? I've never received anything from God, but I couldn't thank him, even if I did. Anywhere. God is spirit. And the time is coming and is now here. That it won't matter where you worship, but only that you do it in spirit and truth. Heart and mind, that, that is the kind of worshiper he's looking for. It won't matter where you're from or what you've done. Do you believe what I'm telling you? Until the Messiah comes and explains everything and sorts this mess out, including me, I don't trust in anyone. You're wrong when you say that you've never received anything from God. This Messiah you speak of, I am he. The first one was named Ramin. You were a woman of purity who was excited to be married. But he wasn't a good man. He hurt you. And it made you question marriage and even the practice of your faith. Stop it. The second was Farzad. On your wedding night, his skin smelled like oranges. And to this day, every time you pass by the oranges in the market, you feel guilty for leaving him. Because he was the only truly godly man you've been with. But you felt unworthy. Why are you doing this? I have not revealed myself to the public as the Messiah. You are the first. It would be good if you believed me. You picked the wrong person. I came to Samaria just to meet you. <laughs> Do you think it's an accident that I'm, I'm here in the middle of the day? <laughs> I am rejected by others. I know, but not by the Messiah. And you know these things because you are the Christ. I'm going to tell everyone. I was counting on it. <laughs> Spirit and truth. Spirit and truth. It won't be all about mountains or temples. Soon. Just the heart. <laughs> you promise? I promise. This man told me everything I've done. Oh, he must be the Christ! <laughs> Wait!
You're what there? You forgot your um. Watched that clip probably ten times this week, and I tear up every time to know that Jesus was waiting there for her in the middle of the day. He came especially for her. I don't know why we run from God. Psalms one thirty nine, verse seven. The psalmist says, "I can never escape your spirit." I can never get away from your presence, and why would we try? If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell in the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. He is indeed a creator actively involved in the life of his creation. In the Old Testament, we call it a theophany when he showed, appearing to Job in the midst of his sufferings in a whirlwind. The angel of the Lord wrestling with Jacob on the banks of the Jabbok River, a man wrestling with his identity, wrestling with the kind of man he wanted to be. Are you wrestling with these things? Are you like Job? Are you like Jacob? You need to wrestle with God. Stop wrestling with yourself. Let God wrestle with you. Meet him at the banks of the Jabbok River, at the well. He snatched Lot's family out of the destruction plan for Sodom. They were milling around, thinking they had all the time in the world. Maybe that's the way you are. Well, I'm going to get right with God one day. He had to grab them by the wrist and say, let's go. And they escaped narrowly, except for the one who turned back. We see Jesus showing up on the scene several times to speak with Moses and Joshua. Why? Because they were doing his important work of delivering his people out of the slavery that they were in. And God is trying to deliver us from the slavery that we have to sin and to the flesh. He's trying to get us to go into the promised land. Psalms 34, 7 says, The angel of the Lord is a guard. He surrounds and defends all who fear him. Do you feel him surrounding you? Will you let him defend you? And after Jesus was born on the earth, we see the same tender heart of compassion as he ruined a perfectly good funeral when the widow woman lost her only son. He doesn't just see a bunch of people walking by going to a graveyard, but he sees the pain in the widow's heart, having lost her husband and now her only son. The despair, you think he doesn't see yours? And he touched that, that coffin and the young man arose we see where he celebrated another widow because she gave two little mites you think he doesn't see your little stuff she gave two little mites and it was a big deal to jesus 
Just because the world doesn't acknowledge the things that you do for the Lord. He sees. He's the Lord who sees me. Say, he's the Lord who sees me. Do you know he crossed the stormy sea to get to, to the biggest black sheep in all of the family of Israel? The demoniac in the tombs. That guy nobody had hopes for. Nobody wanted to be around him. They weren't thinking about reforming this guy, helping this guy, helping to make sure he even had food. They, they wanted him to go. The only place he could run to was the tombs. And Jesus crossed the stormy seas to set the man free. What gravestones are you living among right now? Come out from among them. Let the dead bury their dead. As for you, you follow the Lord. Come out from among the tombs. And I think about how he wept. With Mary and Martha. Artist almost said Marcia. <laughs> and he's wept with you too, Marcia. Over the death of Lazarus. Even though he knew what he was fixing to do. In just a minute or two, he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead. And everybody was going to be celebrating. Why did he cry with Mary and Martha in that moment if he's not tenderhearted? He could have said, well, let them suffer for a minute. I'm, I'm fixing to fix it. But he suffered with them for that moment, and then he fixed it. He gets in the fire with you, so to speak. He'll befriend all who will stand still for it. Sinners, tax collectors, me. You know I don't understand myself. But he seems to. He puts up with me when I don't even want to. It ain't easy, is it, Angie? I mean, it's a full-time job. The psalmist said in Psalms 139, 13, he said, you made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Say complex. Have you thought about the complexities of the human body? I mean, we got like tear ducts and little windshield wipers up here for our eyes. How we eat and then how we get rid of what we eat and eat some more. All our organs working together. Our DNA. And then you throw in on top of the complexities of the human body, you throw in the, the personalities and the soulish realm and the emotions, good night, the brain function. You throw all that in and the, the life experiences that you've had to get to this point that's shaded the way you are. You are wonderfully complex. And I think, well, I don't know if wonderfully would be the right word. I feel like I'm wonderfully a mess. 
I feel like a puzzle all before it's been put together. A bunch of pieces. But you know what? Jesus doesn't see us as we are right now. He sees us as how we're going to be when we get to heaven. When the work is completed in us and all the pieces are put together. Then we are surely wonderfully complex. Then it makes sense that we're wonderfully complex because everything that you've been through, all your pain, suffering, heartache, all the experiences, all the gifts he's given you, everything that you are will just bring a glorious symphony into God's glory. You're going to be an instrument of praise. And he sees you like that now. And you keep wanting to give up on yourself because the puzzle's not finished yet. But he's like, stick with it. I can't wait to show you. It's not even entered into your heart yet what I've prepared for you. You can't even imagine what it's going to be like when you're whole. When the, all the wondrous pieces of your complexity come together to sing my praise. He believes the best about us. And he's on your side. Do you believe that? That he's on your side? He is. But, but I know what I've done. I know who I've been. I know the thoughts that I think. He's on your side. He's on your side. And the reason you resist him is because you can't imagine somebody would still be on your side. But he's rooting for us to overcome. And he knows firsthand all the evil that we face down here. He experiences our pain. And you say, how do you know that, Pastor? How do you know he experiences our pain? Because when he gets up in the morning in heaven, he runs his fingers through a hole that's still in his hands. You want to talk about pain? He knows your pain. He experienced your sin and the wrath of God for it. You're not talking about somebody that doesn't know. Isaiah 43, 1 says, But now, O Jacob, listen to the Lord who created you. You still got a little tension left? We're about to close. I'm reading you the word of God, okay? Listen. Listen, O Jacob, to the Lord who created you, O Israel. The one who formed you says, do not be afraid, for I have ransomed you. I have called you by name, Hagar. I have called you by name, and you are mine. When you go through the deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through the rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. For I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. That's who I am, he says. Isn't it wonderful to have somebody on your side? 
Sometimes it seems like nobody's on your side. The ones that you put all your trust in here on the earth, they seem to turn their back on you. And like I said, you look at yourself for a minute, and then you say, well, I don't even like me. And you tell your little stale jokes and nobody else laughs. But I think Jesus gets you. And you go around that same old mountain digging that same old trench and he's like, he's still rooting you on. Come on, get out of that rut. You can do it. Come on, get out of that rut. You can do it. Come on, get out of that rut. You can do it. Come on, get out of that rut. You can do it. Oh, Jesus, I ain't ready yet. I ain't ready. Come on, get out of that rut. You can do it. He never stops rooting you on. He's your biggest fan. He loves you. Why didn't he crucify? I mean, why didn't he curse those guards that were crucifying him? They were nailing nails in his hands and feet. Why, why, didn't, why didn't he spit back on those Pharisees that were railing on him and accusing him and mocking him? Why didn't, why didn't he say something to those thieves that were making fun of him? Because he doesn't have an ugly comeback in his heart. Not a one. He was probably thinking that maybe one of them will be with me in paradise one day. And look what happened. One of them was with him in paradise that day. He gives us space to be wrong. But he's ever drawn us to the truth through his love. The truth spoken in love. If he didn't have nothing good to say, he didn't say anything. He hears us, he sees us in hopes that we might see him. And if we could just see him. Hagar asked, have I truly seen the one who sees me will have you. Did you know all these things about Jesus before you came today? Oh, that we might wait for him at the well of our innermost being and find a better path as we leave here. He still asks us, as Hagar asked in her confusion that day, that he asked her, where have you come from and where are you going? Oh, and can I walk with you? He wants to walk with you. If you're not walking with Jesus, you're missing out on life itself. He said, I'm the way to walk. I'm the truth, and I am the life. You'll never find eternal life without me. You'll never find who you were created to be. You'll live forever in broken pieces without me. But if you'll trust me, I will begin to put you together. I will take you on a path of righteousness. For my name's sake. <laughs> I'll give you peace. I'll give you joy. I'll give you love unconditionally. 
Keep your eyes on me. Just walk with me. Talk with me. If you've never given your heart to Jesus, it was your cross that he was dying on. It was your sin he was paying for. He didn't have any of his own. And he says, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, I'll give you rest. I know your souls are weary. I know you're dry. I know you need some of this living water. Let me pull you out a cup. Let me immerse you in my living water. Let me fill you with my Holy Spirit. You'll never thirst again. What he's saying is, confess me as Lord. and fo Come follow me. Walk with me. Let's walk together, not apart. If you've never asked Jesus to be the Lord of your life, why don't you do so right now? If you're online, wherever you're at, if you're in here today, and you've never asked Jesus to be truly in control of your life, why are you fighting against your Creator? Say, Jesus, I give you myself and all my mess. I repent of the way I've been. I don't want to live that way anymore. I want you to lead and guide me. Say, say that. Say, Jesus, be the Lord of my life. I want you to lead and guide me. I believe in you. I believe God raised you from the dead. And I have the faith to believe that you'll raise me too. listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.